Hello, and welcome to the Healthy Balanced Birth and Beyond podcast. I'm Olivia, your host, and on this podcast, we will talk about everything related to the journey to conceive, pregnancy, labor, birth, postpartum, parenthood, and beyond. This is a safe space where birth professionals, birthing people, expected parents, and partners can come on and share their knowledge or personal experiences with our listeners. The goal of this podcast is to create connections, share stories, information, and resources to educate and empower people in their own personal journey. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Healthy Balance Birth and Beyond podcast. Today, I have a special guest who you guys are familiar with from our last podcast. We have September Burton with us here this morning, and we're going to be talking about her birth stories. I haven't really shared, I don't think, any other birth stories on the podcast with the exception of my own, um, and that was one of the first ones. So we're going to be chatting about the different types of births that she's had, um, what the experience was like for her, and basically just hearing about the differences between hospital birth, birth center birth, and home birth. So welcome back, September. Thank you so much for joining us again. Hi, Olivia. Thank you so much for having me back. And I love birth stories are like one of my favorite, favorite things to talk about. So I'm super excited about this episode. Me too. Me too. I remember before I had my daughter, when I would walk our dogs every day when I was pregnant, I would literally just listen to birth stories on our on the walk every single day because it was so interesting to hear all the different types of births and like different situations that moms went through. So I'm always more than happy to hear birth stories and chat about them. I could literally do it all day. Yeah, same here. I think that they're so empowering. I think there's something so empowering about listening to another person's birth story. And then also, you know, whatever experience you have is incredibly empowering. That's part of why I love it so much. Yeah, I agree. And one thing I remember too was talking about how sometimes people who have like really positive births and births that that go the way that they were hoping they would go, um, they feel like they don't really want to share that as much because if somebody else has had a more difficult birth or a longer labor or it did not go the way that they wanted to go, then they kind of feel like ashamed to be like, hey, my birth was awesome. Um, (laughs) But I think it's important to talk about every type of birth because everyone's experience is different. And I think normalizing the fact that everyone's birth is different is super important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that those wonderful birth stories should be shared too. Um, you know, every birth story should be shared. So it's, it's your experience and it's a wonderful thing. I think to share your experience and to talk about what you went through. Yeah. Um, so I just want to remind everybody that you have seven children, correct? Yes, I do. So you have had a variety of different births. So where do you want to start this morning? With your first birth, maybe? Or, where, I mean, whatever you feel comfortable with. Yeah, I'll start with the first one and just sort of go in order because it was, um, there's a progression. And it's so, it's cool, I think. I mean, it's obviously my story, but I think it's kind of cool to see the progression of what happened from birth to birth. So um, my first birth, I was 25 years old. I just turned 25. And um, I was young and dumb and knew nothing and did everything that the doctors told me to do. And that's probably a bad way to say it, but you know what I mean? Like sometimes doctors don't give the best advice and, um, and this doctor did not give me the best advice. And so what happened was at the very end of the pregnancy, I was having Braxton Hicks contractions like nonstop, 
and um, they like when I say nonstop, it was like every two to five minutes, like all day long, every day for like the last couple of weeks. It was crazy. And they were dilating me and facing me. And, um, you know, so we were making some progress, but I was not in labor. And we lived probably about a 20 to 30 minute drive from the hospital. So not terribly far, but you know, it wasn't around the corner either. Um, and so this doctor, I went in one day because the contractions just weren't letting up. And um, she, she basically said, all right, um, I'm ready to induce you because, you know, I don't want you having a baby on the freeway. And since I was dilating and effacing and, you know, things were progressing, she just wanted to induce me. Well, I was still two weeks away from my due date. And, uh, and I think that was just a huge mistake. Um, and so I let her do it. I didn't know any better. And um, so I went in for the induction and you know, I was scared of childbirth because I hadn't experienced it before. And so I was scared and I had heard that if you get induced then it's a lot more intense and, you know, those kinds of things. And so I was too afraid. I wanted a natural birth, but I, I didn't um, allow myself to experience it because I was, I was just afraid from stories that I had heard. So I went ahead and got the epidural after the induction started and it was about a 12 hour labor and, um, it was at the end, I guess one of the things that happened in that birth that I wish that somebody had told me before going into childbirth is that you you mentally check out during childbirth. You kind of go into that space where you're almost in an altered state of reality, you know, and I don't think we talk about that enough, but that's your, you know, your body's chemical hormone um, kind of, it's a protective thing. It, it helps you. Mm -hmm. um, it's a good thing. So I didn't know about that. And I think that kind of freaked me out a little bit when it happened. And, um, and so then, you know, we're, I'm in the pushing phase and not making a ton of progress. And then his heartbeat started to drop. And so the doctor grabbed the vacuum and ended up vacuuming him out. And, you know, it's just a cascade of like, you know, he was barely, barely escaped a C-section. And it was just that, that cascade of like, Inter intervention after intervention after intervention. And if I had just waited probably another week, it probably would have been an, a much, much different experience. Um, and so that was birth number one. Uh, he did end up getting jaundice pretty bad and had to go back and be rehospitalized a few days later because the jaundice got so bad. Um, so it was, a, it was a traumatizing experience for me. It was very traumatizing. And I remember when I was pregnant with my daughter, um, I was about 20 weeks pregnant and one of my girlfriends was also pregnant and she was much further along. And so we were having her baby shower and this poor friend of mine, I'm 20 weeks pregnant at her baby shower. And I just broke down and started sobbing. I was like, I'm scared to go through this again. You know, it was such a traumatic experience. And, um, and so that was really what it had done to me was I was just terrified. But what I had decided was um, I just want a natural childbirth. I just want to try it without any of the interventions. And so I was still staying at OBGYN this time, and I still intended to do a hospital birth, but I said, just don't touch me, just leave me alone. Um, and that birth was a beautiful birth. I, I was seven centimeters dilated and we were still like playing cards and laughing and joking. <laughs> <laughs> the nurse came in, the doctor came in and checked me and he was like, yeah, you're at seven centimeters. And the nurse was like, no, you're not. She was like, I've <laughs> never seen a woman at seven centimeters still playing games and laughing. And um, she was like, no, you're not. 
And so then she checked me and she was like, okay, I guess you are. Um, and so it was just, it was a fun birth, you know, and then I was in and out of the water because in that hospital, you know, you were, you could get in and labor in the water. Um, and she decided this nurse decided, and this was, again, I wish that I hadn't let her do this, but she had decided that she should break my water because she said, if I break your water, the baby's going to be out within five minutes, you're going to be done. And, um, and I was like, okay. And so she broke my water and I immediately went from laughing, joking to a woman in labor, you know, like the intense contractions kind of a thing. Um, but it still wasn't, it was okay. Um, and so, and so then my daughter was born and it was just, she just came out easily and it was, you know, the pushing part was really, really easy with her. Um, and it was just, it was a beautiful experience. It was very empowering and just a wonderful, wonderful experience. I think that the first birth was also very empowering. It was just in a different way. Yeah. And that was more about the processing it afterwards was where I drew my power from, from that experience. Um, so, but with her, it was, it was just a beautiful, wonderful experience. Um, and so after that went so smoothly, I was pregnant with number three and I was like, I want to do home birth this time. Like I experienced it without any medications. Like I know what to expect this time. So I want to do a home birth. And so, um, so then he was born at home and he actually had children's socia. So he got oh. stuck in the birth canal. And luckily I had, I had my midwife there and her assistant. And then I had a friend of mine who had been a midwife's assistant for like 20 years. And so she, she had asked, and I, I think that we just had a conversation and just kind of mutually decided that it would be a good thing for her to be at the birth and she wanted to be there. And, um, and so, so when he got stuck, she was the one who actually kind of took over and reached in and pulled him out and got everything. Okay. Um, I had wanted to have him in the water, but when he got stuck, you know, they started to say, something's not right. You need to get out. And so mm -hmm. that was like the weirdest feeling in the world. Cause his head's like, you know, in my cervix, in my pelvis, like right there. And so walking, like standing up from the tub and like walking <laughs> just a few steps, you know, to the living room floor was like the weirdest feeling I've ever experienced having a head there. Yeah. I can't um, imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was weird. So, um, so then, you know, they pull him out and he wasn't breathing. He was kind of one of those babies that didn't really necessarily want to take that first breath. And so that was such a, it ended up being such a beautiful experience. I never felt any fear about him not breathing. Um, they just, they said, okay, he's not taking his first breath. And they set him in my arms and they said, talk to your baby. And all three of these women were just massaging his body and, you know, just stimulating him, trying to convince him that breathing was a good idea. So I'm holding him and talking to him and saying, you know, come, come be with us kind of a thing. Um, and they're massaging him and he did take that breath. We didn't have to give him any breaths or anything. He did, you know, quickly enough, uh, decide to go ahead and take that first breath. And so that was, you know, that was a beautiful experience because it was so calm and so peaceful. And it's something that in the hospital, that would have been chaos, mm -hmm. you know, and they would have been all over that mm -hmm. um, and probably ripped him out of my arms and put, you know, done different things. But instead it was, it was a very peaceful, almost a spiritual type of experience. Um, and obviously, you know, everything turned out okay. He's perfectly fine and he's a crazy, crazy kid now. <laughs> um, he's a lot of fun. He's a goofball. So 
Um, so then that, you know, had that experience that was interesting and empowering, like all of the others, it was, they're all empowering in their own way because they teach you different things, or at least me, they taught me different things about my body and about babies and what to expect and all of those kinds of things. Um, so then I got pregnant with number four and then we had moved to Colorado by this time, by the time I got pregnant with her and uh, insurance was different. And so they weren't going to pay for a home birth at all. There was no, no options at all for a home birth. And um, we, at that point, because we just moved and everything, we were kind of like, well, let's save some money. So, so we found a birth center. There's a birth center up near Denver. Um, now there's actually one in Colorado Springs too, which is fantastic. But oh, wow. um, yeah, so I was up at the birth center up near Denver and um, that one was, she's crazy. It's funny how I think you're, the birth itself almost is a representation of who the child is too, like personality. Absolutely, absolutely <laughs> agree. <laughs> I kind of laugh about this one because Gracie is, her personality is, she's, I call her the world's friendliest child. She literally makes friends with every human being she meets and she is just nothing but smiles, doesn't know how to be upset. Um, and so her birth, I basically, I, I wanted to time her birth. I wanted it to be completely natural, but I still kind of wanted a little bit of control over when she was born. Mm -hmm. And so I squatted a lot at the end of the pregnancy. And so what I did was I took, um, a yoga block and I squatted down on the yoga block yep. just to try to put her head down onto my cervix a little bit, cause that pressure there. Um, and my niece, who was two years old at the time, she would watch me do this every day. And so she grabbed, you know, the little wipes containers yeah, that yeah. are the size of a yoga block. So she grabbed her little wipes container and she would squat with me on, uh, she would Aww. sit on her wipes container. And, That's so sweet. And, yeah, she's a sweetheart. Just sit there with me. Um, and so, but the reason for timing it was because, you know, I was down in Colorado Springs and the birth center was in Denver and that's about an hour away with mm -hmm. traffic. It can be an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes. Um, and so my brother lived in Denver. Um, and so that's why I was at his house a lot at the end of the birth or at the end of the pregnancy. Um, so, so I, she decided that it was time to come out. And, um, so I went to the birth center and she was the, my first water birth, actually. She was oh, the first wow. one that I actually did get to birth in the water. And my sister-in-law came to that, um, birth with me. She was the one who was there at the birth center with me. So that was a really cool and bonding experience, I think for her and I too. So, um, so I got to give birth to her in the water. Um, and I just remember, you know, I, I've never said like, I want to catch her or anything like that. I just sort of, I'm very much just to go with the flow kind of a person. Like, mm -hmm. I'm just cool with whatever happens. Like as long as everybody's okay, then I'm, I'm cool. So, um, so she comes out and they were like, reach down and grab your baby. And I just like, they had to say it a couple of times. Cause I'm like, what, like, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> and um, they said, reach down and grab your baby. And so I reached down and I grabbed her and I pulled her up out of the water and, you know, put her to my chest and everything. And I'm very short and there's too much water in those um, tubs for me. So I had to like hold myself up, you know, because um, otherwise her head would have gone back under the water. And so, you know, they noticed that obviously right away. And so they got me out of the water so that we could, her and I could just be together. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was just a really, really sweet, really, really neat experience. I enjoyed that one. Um, 
So then get pregnant with number five and she, I did get to give birth to her in the water as well. That one was really cool too. Um, uh, so with this one, we had the birth pool in the corner of the bedroom. And um, I just remember uh, the labor that she was the only one that my water broke before labor started. Oh, wow. I, I woke, okay. Yeah, I woke up at like four, I think it was four in the morning. And I felt like I was peeing. And I was like, this is really weird. <laughs> <laughs> I've never wet my hands before. This is weird. And so I got up and I went to the bathroom and I laid back down and I stayed dry for a couple of minutes. And then all of a sudden I felt the sensation again. And I was like, I don't think this is pee. I think that my water's broken. And yeah. so I woke up and I was like, Hey, I think my water broke. And so, um, so he texts the midwife and says, you know, her water just broke. And she's like, cool, you guys are going to have a baby within a day. <laughs> and then four hours later, I have a baby. <laughs> so oh my she goodness. Was, super short um labor and delivery um but when she came out um the cord was wrapped around her neck twice and between her legs so wow. the midwife basically had to like do this gymnastics you know like a somersault under- <laughs> yeah, to get that cord um how many of let me think uh, i guess it was her and then one of the twins had the cord wrapped around their necks um, so I guess there were two babies that had cord around their neck, but, um, so the midwife kind of had to do like this little gymnastics move to get the cord unraveled. Um, and then she was the other baby that didn't want to take a breath Okay. when we first pulled her up out of the water and we did with her end up having to use the mask. Um, the midwife did put the mask on her and give her a little bit of oxygen, um, and then she finally decided, okay, breathing is a good idea. And so she started breathing on her own. And that little girl is, she's, she's wild. <laughs> she's wild. <laughs> um, so that was really, that was a neat experience again, of course. Um, I think they all are, but, um, then I got pregnant with the twins and the twins were, you know, after I had my fifth child, I got a copper IUD put in because okay. I was done. I was like five kids, but I'm good, you know? Um, and so I went and got a copper IUD put in and then I lo and behold, get pregnant with twins. And I remember calling my midwife and I was like, um, I'm pregnant. She was like, no, you're not. Like, stop. <laughs> and, and I was like, I'm pregnant. And, um, and, she, and I was like, I don't, what do I do about this IUD? Like, this is a problem, you know? And, uh, and she told me that I was going to have to go in and, basically see what the OBGYN said. Sometimes they want to leave it in place and sometimes they want to get it out. And they did end up, it, we got it out. Okay. Um, so, so with the twins, they, they're funny little girls. Twins are interesting all the way around. I'm fascinated by twins. I have identical twin brothers. And so I kind of grew up with a, a, a different understanding of twins, I think, than a lot of people do, but um, they're identical. My girls are fraternal. And so it's still a different, yeah. Um, at the 20 week ultrasound, um, baby a Sophie was head down and, uh, but Avery was breech. And so we knew that Avery was breech and, um, but everybody was like, you know, what happens a lot of times with twin births when the second one is breech is, you know, baby a will come out and then there's so much space for baby B that they just kind of do a quick little flip and then come out, they're born um, head down. So everybody was like, it's okay. Don't, you know, don't stress it. 
Um, so, but then um, at some point, Sophie, being the little monkey that she is, decided to flip. And I don't know what happened because I didn't have another ultrasound. So the last time that we saw her was at 20 weeks. Um, so she decided to flip. And uh, so when I kept having prodromal labor, which was awful, that's that was rough. And I ended up carrying those twins until I think it was like 39 weeks in like two days. Wow. I carried those twins longer than any of my other babies. And everybody, you know, of course, with twins, you think that they're going to be born sooner than a single baby. Um, and so I was, I was so big, like my stomach was just, I was melting the stomach. <laughs> and I just, oh, it was so painful. And I was just crying because I just wanted them to come out. And I was like, you guys are evicted, like get out. <laughs> um, but, um, but it was that false labor too, you know, that's really hard on your emotions to go into labor and then just have it stall out. And that happened several times. And my doula, who had also been with me for the previous birth, um, she told um, their father that uh, she was like, I think that this is a breach birth. She was like, I think that that's why this is happening. They never told me that. They just kind of left me out of that. And wow. I don't know why they chose not to tell me that. But um, so I called the chiropractor mm-hmm. and, uh, and I got an adjustment. Actually, I had a, a few adjustments and I asked her, I said, is there anything I can do? Like, can you help me? Because I'm just miserable and I just, I, I can't do this anymore. And she said that there's, she said, there's a doctor in Brazil who dances with his patients and helps them um, get their babies out through dancing. And she was like, just look him up on YouTube. And I was like, all right. So when I, I start to go into labor and I could feel that it was stalling out, I was like, no, I'm not doing this again. No, like, <laughs> go to YouTube, find this guy, let's dance. And so that's what we did. So we found this guy on YouTube and we literally just, and you know, it's a lot of hip movement type dancing, um, Latino type dancing, just to, because that's what's going to push the baby down and cause that pressure on the cervix. Right. You know? um, and so... So we're dancing and it took, I danced for about 20 minutes and then I was in labor and like labor, labor, like no turning back labor. And, um, so I'd be dancing and then I'd just like go hold myself up on the bed and, you know, through a contraction and, um, and, and then at that point it was like, okay, this is happening. So then I'm in labor for a while and, you know, by this time I know my body and how my body bursts and does labor and everything. And I'd been going through really intense contractions for what I felt like was too long. And I was like, something's not right. Like something's not right. And so, um, you know, they were telling me to do different positions and they were trying to, they got me on hands and knees and I didn't, I didn't want to be on hands and knees. And I was like, this isn't what I should be doing. Well then, but I did because, you know, they, that's what they told me to do. And um, so I was on hands and knees and somebody said that they saw meconium and I, my sister, um, I was 17 when my sister was born and she had meconium and, uh, and that like freaked me out. I was like, call 911 right now. Like I'm not okay with meconium. And, um, and so they called 911 and what they told me later was that actually when it's a breech birth, the meconium isn't necessarily such a terrible thing because it comes right out. It's not getting into the amniotic fluid right. because their little butt is right there. faced towards um, the exit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I said call 911. So we called 911 and uh, the paramedics show up 
and you know there's i don't i you know i'm checked out because i'm in about to push babies out and uh and so i'm not really a lot of my memory i think of what happened is not necessarily what actually happened it's just sort of that convoluted sort of memory right um so but there's people all over the room and i you know i know obviously what's going on um and there's this one guy who's a paramedic and he comes over to the bed and he's like all right let's get you in the chair and um take you to the hospital basically and so I get in the chair and, you know, this was upstairs. So it's one of those chairs that goes down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I get in the chair and I think that that's what my body needed was to be at that 90 degree angle and actually just sitting upright. Cause as soon as we didn't even make it out of the bedroom door. And I remember like I was lifting myself up using the armrests to lift myself up because I'm like, this baby's coming. Like, <laughs> there's no stopping. And one of the paramedics who was a woman, she was like, try not to push. And my, my doula looked at her and was like, are you serious right now? <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> Did you really just say that? So, um, so of course I didn't even have to push. Sophie just, she literally just slid out. And, wow. um, and then there she was on the chair and I was like, okay. So the paramedics are like, are you okay? Do you still want to go to the hospital? Like, what's up? And I said, no, I just, just put me back in my bed. I'm, I'm good, you know? And I'm so good. They, <laughs> so they get me back to the bed and I've got Sophie in my arms and everything. And I get back in bed and then they're like getting ready to leave. And um, somebody in the room says, well, what about the other one? And the, of course the paramedics have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and so they're like, what other one? <laughs> what are you talking about? Okay. <laughs> so I'm back in the bed and I've got Sophie in my arms and there the paramedics are, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. And obviously, you know, whoever said that was like, yeah, there's another baby in there. So, um, so the paramedics kind of hang out and they're not really sure what to do. It, but it, and it was 10 minutes from the time that Sophie was born until Avery was born. And so, and then sweet little Avery, she was so much smaller than Sophie and so, not, I mean, a pound, pound and a half, not like I, you know, anything was wrong, kind of a difference. She's just got a much smaller stature than um, Sophie does. But so she, she was born, but first too, and she just kind of slid out too. Like I just was, you know, all of a sudden contractions happened and then there she was. I didn't, there was no real pushing with the twins, which was really interesting. I think the dancing may have done that, but um yeah, it's that and like the the fetal ejection reflex. Like your body just knows your babies are coming. Yeah, yeah. So she was born but first two. And what my doula told me later, a few months later, I think, she said that when she was born, like there was just where I was sitting on the bed, there was just a pool of fluid there, you know. And um, and she said poor Avery's little face like landed in that fluid and <sighs> she came. But you know, of course, we grabbed her right away, but. The cord was wrapped around her neck twice. Wow. And so paramedics, that was their biggest concern. And so after she was born, um, they wanted to take her in. But I was, you know, she was fine. And the midwife was like, no, she's fine. She, you know, the cord, she's, she looks great. Her color's great. Everything's perfectly fine. Um, the doula agreed. And, you know, everybody was like, no, we, she doesn't need to go, go in and be seen. She's fine. So, um, so we got, you know, obviously the cord unwrapped, but what was kind of fun about that, you know, that, I mean, that whole experience was just crazy. It was just a crazy experience, but, um, 
we went into the fire station like two weeks later and we took the babies in so that the paramedics could meet the babies mm-hmm. and this the the lead paramedic from that night he was the one that we talked to when we went in and he was like he's probably you know 45 maybe pushing 50 years old and he was he said i've been a paramedic for a very long time but i had to sit down after that call <laughs> I think we all had to sit down for a minute after that, after that experience, because it was just, but it was so, it was wonderful, you know, and the babies, if, had I had them in the hospital with an OBGYN, they probably would have wanted to just do a C-section and they probably would have done a lot more ultrasounds and done all of these things. And after the experience, you know, I'm kind of like, I don't see what the big deal is about breach. I know the babies can get stuck. Obviously, one of my head down babies got stuck, you know? And I know that things can go wrong, but things can go wrong with any birth. And I think that most of the time after the experiences that I've had and pushing out breach twins, it's kind of, I, I was sitting there thinking, what is the big deal about breach? You know, why, why does it just become an automatic scheduled C-section? That just doesn't seem right to me, so... Yeah, I mean, in listening to what you've been saying and sharing all of your different stories, I've just been kind of taking notes on what I, what I have heard and what I feel like people would like to hear talked about. Um, I love so much all of your stories. I could probably just sit here and listen to you talk about each story <laughs> in depth. Um, but it's so, so interesting to hear the difference between your first birth versus your middle birth versus like your last birth, your body just learns how, A, you learn your body, your body learns how to give birth. You learn how to listen to your body and to tune into that. Um, But I think one thing that happens when it comes to hospital births, like what you were saying with your, with your first birth, for example, how if you've never given birth before, you don't know what it's going to feel like, you don't know how you're going to cope with it. Um, and then a lot of the time people have this mindset that like doctors know everything and we should just listen to everything that they say, even if we're feeling something different. And so I just, I think it's important to talk about the fact that like, you know, your body best. So you know what you're feeling and sharing that and having a care provider who listens to you and you guys can work together to come to some sort of middle ground is super important. Um, and I always encourage people to like do like a meet and greet with care providers before you decide on one because if they're saying things that are the complete opposite of what you have in mind for your birth, then it's probably not going to go the way that you would like it to go. Granted, like you said, birth is very unpredictable and we kind of just have to learn to go with the flow. Um, But I think it's super important and I'm glad that you shared the difference between having a somewhat medicalized birth and then more of a hands-off birth for, it was your second one, I think you said, right? Yeah. 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 And so it's, it's wild. Like the fact that you were sharing that you were seven centimeters and you were just sitting laughing going about playing cards and um i don't think people realize that labor can be that way not always granted like you said like every single birth is different everybody's different but you never know like you could literally be eight centimeters and just be sitting doing going about your day and then all of a sudden you can be in very very active labor and your baby can come very soon yes 
Absolutely. And, you know, I think that it's like you're saying, it's about being in tune with your own body and making sure that you have a care provider who is going to listen to you and respect you and respect your intuition. I think that if you have a care provider who doesn't do that, then you really, I wish that in our culture, and actually, I think one of the beautiful things that's happening in our culture, especially to women right now, is we are becoming so much more empowered. And part of our power is our intuition. Like that is part of our power. So embracing your intuition. And I think learning how to use it during the pregnancy and during the birth is going to help you so much when you become a mom, because that's when you really need that intuition. You really need to learn to trust that. Mm -hmm. I so agree with that. And I am really glad that I got into the birth space before having my own daughter. Um, Because like you were sharing and other people have shared it with me too. They were like, I had no idea about any of these things before giving birth, being in labor. Like I just didn't know about these things. And I think part of the reason why we don't know about these things is because people, there's more conversation about it now, but in general, people don't talk about all the different types of medical intervention, natural birth, how comfort measures for natural birth, what birth can look like, what labor can look like. Um, it's just not talked about that much. I feel like there's just, instead of talking about these things and exploring these things so people know and understand potential things that can come up amongst a labor and a birth, it's more so just a fear of the unknown sort of thing. And I struggle with that because a lot of hospitals make birth out to be a medical emergency. And yes, there are times where you do need medical intervention and you do need help, whether it's for mom or baby. But majority of the time, birth is a completely natural and normal process that should be left alone for the mother to tap into her her intuition and birth her baby. Um, Yes. And I just, I struggle with that so much because A, there's so much fear and people don't really take the time to talk about what they're afraid of so they can learn more about it. So maybe that can kind of, so that fear can kind of go away. You know what I mean? Yeah. You process that fear. And once you process that fear, then you, you handle it differently. It doesn't necessarily mean that you don't feel apprehensive or afraid at all. It just means that you're handling it differently. And um, yeah, like we're saying, just tapping into that intuition and knowing, I think, you know, as a mom with your child, your baby, if something's going wrong, you know, and you need to learn to trust that. And so it's more about learning to trust that than it is about learning to trust the person who's wearing the white lab coat, you know, Um, because they don't know, they, they know what they read in a textbook and, you know. Um, it's just, I, I, and birth has come so far, you know, I know my grandma, when she gave birth, um, to my mom and her kids, um, they knocked her out with ether, you yep. know, and she would just wake up and have a baby. And, um, and we've come so, so far since then. And to just allow birth to happen naturally is such a, I think it's an empowering thing. I was having a conversation about this yesterday. I think part of the empowering thing about that is that as women, we are constantly giving birth, whether it's to a child or to an idea or to a business or to, you know, whatever it is, we are constantly giving birth. And so when you sort of give yourself that space to just let be born what is born, you become um, a warrior. You become Mm -hmm. magical, Mm -hmm. you know, what you are actually truly meant to be. And so I think that's part of the the lesson that we take away from childbirth 
and we can use it in every single aspect of our lives and become a lot more powerful and you know step into what it is that we were actually born on this earth to do I so agree. I'm literally just sitting here nodding my head yes to everything that you're saying Um, because it's so, so true. Like people before births were brought into hospitals, people used to give birth at home. That's how it was. They would give birth at home with their families um, and then it got moved into a hospital setting. And then like you mentioned, there was a period of time where they literally like A, thought women were crazy during birth because of them going through labor and contractions so they would just knock them out and take their baby out and then wake the woman back up but people don't know the history of birth unless they've really spent time digging into it and i remember being absolutely mortified looking at photos old old photos of what they used to do to women they would literally cover their faces knock them out take their babies out and then they would wake up and they would have a baby and i just literally couldn't i cannot imagine that i cannot imagine that being normalized as a thing that happens when childbirth is so natural and it's meant to, you're meant to have all of those um, hormones flowing. You're meant to be able to birth your baby, hold your baby, have that oxytocin flowing. You're supposed to have that. That's normal. That helps you bond with your baby. And they were, yeah. they just made it into this medicalized thing where it was like, nope, this woman's crazy because she's in labor. Let's drug her up. Let's take her baby out and then it'll be fine. But I just, I remember I was so mortified by that. And um, what you said about listening to doctors, like, yes, there is absolutely a time and place for medicine. There is absolutely, absolutely a time and place where we do need doctor's help. We're not saying that that does not exist. But the thing is, is that in most hospitals, it is rare for doctors to support a natural unmedicated birth. And it is rare that any nurses or people who are help supporting that, helping to support that birth have actually seen a natural unmedicated birth. It's so rare. Yeah. And yeah. so it becomes normalized that medical interventions are needed and necessary, in air quotes, during labor and birth. And I'm not saying don't do any of those things. At the end of the day, what I think is most important is that the mother is informed and she makes her decision based off of what she is the options that she's given and what she knows. But I don't think it should be normalized that medical interventions are not necessary for every single birth. And so I love that you have such a range of birth and different types of birth. And you go from talking about having a, a medicated birth, having an unmedicated birth, having your water broken, and then having your twins at home both breach. Like it is, it's so magical. And listening to you talk about how tapping into our intuition and it really, really, I do believe like what you said shows up after you give birth for the first time. It's like something in you just clicks and you just are like, okay, this mama intuition, like what I'm feeling, like I need to go with that. I need to go with those instincts. I need to go with my gut because every single thing I swear. And since I had my daughter, every single thing that I've like thought about or worried about or thought I should or shouldn't do something, I have been right about every single time. And I don't think that people should ever tell parents to do some, to go against something that they truly feel deep down is what is best for them and, and, or their babies. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think one of the the reasons why women allowed, like, you know, the sort of the evolution of birth since 
I guess I would say, I don't know if you agree with this, but I would say since medicine sort of became um, more, you know, doctors became more about drugs than about holistic birth um, or holistic medicine. Um, I think that's when they, they started being more afraid. And of course, for a very long time, doctors were men. And so they didn't know how to handle the female body. Yes. They didn't time to learn and understand the female body. And so there's been this evolution. And we, I know a lot of women right now, they're so afraid of the fear or of the pain of birth. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that we don't talk about enough is like, yes, it's painful. Like, I'm not going to lie and say, no, it didn't hurt at all. Well, yeah, it, it's painful. But there's so many things that we need to start talking about with that pain, like understanding the oxytocin, understanding the endorphins and what they actually do to your body and right. how they help your body process that pain and um, checking out, like I was talking about, kind of going into that altered state of consciousness. That's a way that your body kind of copes with that pain. And the, the I mean, it's a birth is an intense experience. It just is. And that's one of the ways that your body kind of copes with that, um, both emotionally and physically, I think. And then, you know, I, I remember with Gracie, the uh, number four, the first water birth, um, the ring of fire, you know, we talk about the ring of fire and how much it burns. And, um, and it's true when the baby's crowning, you know, you can experience that where it just burns because mm -hmm. that skin is stretched. But what I learned after she was born is that that means that they're you're pushing too much you you know and if you just back off a little bit just just be patient just back off let the skin stretch out a little bit more slowly and don't push so much um that's kind of one of the ways to deal with that ring of fire and get that to lessen up a little bit and nobody told me that you know and um the, even the midwives that were there i don't know if i was saying it was burning or not i don't remember if i was saying anything but um but, you know, that's uh, something that should be normalized. That's something that should be well understood by anybody who coaches people through birth. Um, if it's burning, that means, you know, back off. Just, yeah. just back off for a second. Just give it a minute. Um, yeah, I agree. I so agree with you. And it reminds me of what you were talking about with, like, in, towards the beginning when you were talking about inductions um, and how you you went from potentially being induced and then going as long as you did with your twins. And a lot of the time inductions are very unnecessary and yes. they're based off of doctor's schedules or if they're going somewhere or they're traveling or if they just have something to do. And people don't realize that like, it's okay to go past your due date. And there's also yeah. this really incredible thing that happens with inside of your body where your baby a, triggers a little signal that their lungs are fully developed and that they're ready to come out. And that's generally where your labor starts unless you're induced. And so it's important to remember that like, unless there's a medical reason to be induced, um, like placenta previa or anything like that, then you should be letting your body, giving it that time, giving your baby time to get ready to come out. And I, it drives me crazy when they're just like, oh, yep, okay, you're a day past your due date, let's induce you, instead of yeah. giving your body time, giving your baby time. Um, yeah. It just, it literally irks me to my core that that's just the first response a lot of the time, not every time, um, depending on who your care provider is. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. The induction thing is way too prevalent in our society, and so is our C-sections. C-sections <sighs> are 
I mean, C-section should be like life and death. Like if the mother or baby's life is literally in danger, then yes, go for a C-section. But otherwise, somebody was telling me recently, I don't even remember who it was, but within the last week or so, that there was a hospital that was pushing for a 100% C-section rate. Like Pushing for it? Yes, I was blown away. Like, are you serious? Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just doctors just... (laughs) I don't want to belittle or um, talk too negatively about doctors because doctors are wonderful and we need doctors and they do a lot of good stuff. But yes. I, I, you know, if it's about a golf game or, you know, a vacation or something like that, like, no, you signed up to be an OBGYN. You knew what you were getting yourself into. No, that's just not the life that you signed up for. Right. I mean, I, a point in time where I wanted to be a chef and that was my whole life's goal. And then I realized that chefs work when everybody else is off. And so I said, Nope, that's not going to work for me, you know? And right. I mean, when you sign up to be an OBGYN, you know what you're getting yourself into. So, um, so I just, I don't think that it should be about that. But. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a hard time talking about like certain things without people taking it as like, I'm being negative about doctors or people in the medical field. And that's not my intent. My intent is to just talk about both sides and try and get people, I think we talked about this on the last episode together, just that there needs to be more of an intertwining of holistic medicine and then conventional medicine. There's a time and a place for both and there's a need for both. And so I just wish that there was more intertwining of that together and that it was based on people's individual needs, which we talked about that, how, how things need to be individualized. And it, the same goes in the birth space. Every mother is different, every labor, every birth, every pregnancy, every baby, it's all so different. And so just remembering the importance of tuning into your body, listening to you, listening to your baby. Um, I just think it, it comes, it comes full circle. Yeah, it absolutely does. I I think that it would be beautiful if we could have a system where, you know, home birth was normalized, number one, Mm -hmm. um, because it's such a wonderful thing to just get back in your bed and just go to sleep with your baby. I mean, like nothing beats that. But in the hospital, you know, you're in one, you're in a hospital setting. And so there's just that. And then, you know, the nurses are constantly coming in and messing with you and waking you up and waking up your baby and just taking vitals and doing all of that stuff when everything is perfectly fine and you don't get that rest and you don't get, I think that interferes with the bonding, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of different things. And then, you know, another thing that I learned, I don't think I learned this until at least baby number five, but like putting a hat on a baby right away actually interferes with bonding because pheromones are coming off of their heads, Mm -hmm. off of their little scalps. And so when you've got baby just lying on your chest and, you know, you're breathing in those pheromones and that's a big part of the bonding process and putting a hat on that baby's head kind of interferes with that. That's not to say that you're not going to bond with your baby, you yeah. are, but it just, you know, there's just an, that's just a natural piece of giving birth that all of a sudden isn't there. So, um, yeah, you know, putting the baby on your chest naked and, you know, your chest is bare and just putting a blanket over them. they're going to draw their heat from you. And so you are going to keep your baby warm enough. And as a mom, you have that intuition. If baby's body temperature starts to get off, then you're going to know. Right. And you're going to put another blanket on them or whatever it takes. Um, 
but just really learning to tune into that intuition and trust that intuition. And that's your own personal power. Mm-hmm. And so giving that intuition away is giving your power away. Right. Yeah. And I so agree. I was, um, I was talking to a mom recently and she was talking about how she just, she had a, a great birth, um, but she just was very unhappy with her postpartum experience in the hospital. She was unhappy with how she was treated. And um, this is not to say that everybody goes through this, but I also just did not enjoy being in the postpartum part of the, I gave birth in a birth center and I just didn't like the postpartum um, area. I didn't really like the nurses that I worked with and I was very uncomfortable. And I truly feel that um, I just would have preferred it be at home. And that's my goal is to future children are going to be born at home just because it's just, I just, I like being at home. I mean, I don't really know. I've never been a person who is super into being at hospitals unless it's completely necessary. And like you said, it's like they come in, they're bothering you. They're waking you up when you need to rest. They're telling you that you need to feed at certain times and X, Y, and Z. And when in reality, all you really need to do is snuggle your baby, feed your baby when they seem hungry and rest. That's all, that's all you need to do. Bond with your baby. Or, and if you're, if your partner, if you have a partner, let them bond with the baby, let them do skin to skin. It's just, I feel like there needs to be so much more of a hands off approach when it comes to birth. It's just so, so necessary. Unless like we said, there's a medical emergency. Yeah. And I think the feeding thing, you just kind of touched on it too, is um, it's important to understand that you've got those two or three days of nothing but colostrum because Mm -hmm. baby doesn't really need a lot of food at that point. Baby needs their body to be um, flooded with the um, the probiotics that come from the colostrum and things like that. But um, but there's not a lot of need for actual food for that first time period, which is right. why your milk doesn't in for a couple of days. Um, and I had one of my babies actually, I think it was one of the twins. Um, she kind of crawled to my breast when she was ready. Did she? Like, yeah, she really did. She kind of inched her way down to my breast when she was ready to nurse. And, um, and so, you know, they, things like that, they're real, like it happens. So if you just kind of trust and just let go and just sort of let nature take its course, everything is, you know, it's a beautiful experience. It's a wonderful experience. Yeah. And I love, I so love that you just brought that up and shared that because people don't realize that infants have this ability to find your breast, to find your nipple right after they're born. It is one of the coolest things. You know what? Maybe what we'll we'll do is we'll include, we'll include videos of the doctor who dances with their babies that you mentioned. And then we'll include videos of like the breast crawl where babies go towards the breast um, because it's literally the one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And like you said, there's kind of like this, for me at least, there was like this pressure once we were in the postpartum wing, like, oh, your baby has to latch right now. And I yeah. was like, she's going to figure it out. Like you have to, you have to give babies time to figure it out. Like they were in your body for nine months and now they're on the outside and they're getting used to the sights, sounds, smells, everything. And then they will find it. They will figure it out. And so yeah. just reminding people of that, like you said, just tapping into that intuition and allowing your baby to tap into their intuition too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's important. What you just said, I've never actually had that thought before, but yeah, absolutely. Your baby has intuition too. Your baby has, you know, internal instincts and intuition and they know what to do. 
And, um, and so, yeah, kind of giving them that space, but also, you know, as a parent, you know, when they need some guidance, you right. know, when they need some help. And so it's really about trusting both yourself and the baby and knowing that you're going to figure things out. Everything's going to be okay. I am a huge fan of lactation consultants. I yes. think that they wonderful, wonderful. And so having a lactation consultant ready to go because breastfeeding, <laughs> breastfeeding can be a huge challenge. And so having a support system for breastfeeding too, I think is very important, but, um, but yeah, that initial latch on, like just, you know, you can, you can put baby next to your breast and just sort of let them, they, they smell it. They know, they, they know what to do. Mm-hmm. So just, yeah. And it's like, it's kind of like when, um, the conversation where people are like, well, why won't the baby take a bottle if the mom's home? Because they know the mom's right there and they could smell her. <laughs> like they exactly. have that, that smell, that sense of smell. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. But I think mother baby bond is just such a magical thing. It's so special. And I'm sure father baby bond is too, but I'm not a father. I'm a mother. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's really motherhood is just magical. And I am so in awe of the fact that you have seven babies and you birthed them so many different ways. And I'm so thankful that you were open to having this conversation and sharing each of your stories with us and sharing the differences between them. Um, it's just, it's magical to hear. And it's, you normalized so many different things that people may have had um, like hesitations about or have been worried about or have had fear about. Yeah, well, I hope so, you know, and I hope that hearing my story helps other people be less afraid if you've never had a baby, this is your first one, you know, to be less afraid of the birth process, because it really is a beautiful process at the end of the day. Um, in, you know, it, there's, there's intense things about giving birth, but at the end of the day, God, it's so beautiful. And when you finally have that baby in your arms, and it's just, it's magical, um, nothing even comes close to comparing to that feeling. So, yeah, I, I just really hope that sharing my stories is, gives people an understanding that you have options and um, hopefully learning to trust your intuition and learning to trust your own body. Yeah, so that's really cool. Yeah. And I just thank you so, so much. You have been such a wealth of knowledge and like sharing your your variety of stories. Like you said, I, I know for a fact that there is going to be someone who's listening who has either had a birth that did not go the way, they, the way that they wanted it to, or they wish they knew more about certain things, or they really want to have a home birth. And the fact that you not only shared your first birth to your breach home, twin home birth, it's just, it's such a range and it shows what all of your options are. And the other thing too, when it comes to home birth, I think a lot of people have fear surrounding it um, because birth is unpredictable. But also knowing that like paramedics, if you're having a home birth, like they know they're on call, they're right there and you set that up. And also your care provider as a midwife, they know and have seen more natural unmedicated births than most, if not all OBGYNs and hospitals. And it's important to remember that. And it's important to realize that like they have seen a variety of types of births and they will be able to support you in the way that you're looking for. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's different, there's so many different types of providers too. When you're talking about a home birth midwife, you can do a certified nurse midwife, or you can do um, a lay midwife and right. depends on what state you're in, you know, what the laws are, but mm-hmm. there's, it's whatever you feel more comfortable with, you know, a certified nurse midwife is going to work as a nurse and um, is going to have, I think at least a master's degree in nursing and things like that. So it's going to be a little bit more medical um, or at least knowledgeable on the medical side where a lay midwife is, is a, a midwife. Right. Um, all she does is help women give, I should say all she does. <laughs> <laughs> all of her focus is on helping women give birth. So, yeah. And I just, I think it's just important to do your own research and know what you're looking for and also interview providers. Like they're there to help you give birth. It's not like the opposite way. So if you're not aligning with that specific provider, like it's okay. And it's a good thing to switch providers. Yeah. One of the best ways that I ever heard it said is um, some providers will walk into a room and say, everything's cool. I'm here. And other providers will walk into when a woman's giving birth and other providers will walk into the room and say, everything's cool. You got this, you know, and you want the provider who says you got this, your mom got this. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us today and for sharing your stories and for sharing all of your knowledge and experience with us. It's just been such an awesome conversation and I'm so excited for everybody who's listening to it to actually hear it. Well, thank you so much for having me on and um, it's always an honor and a privilege and so I very much appreciate it. Well, thank you so much, listeners, for joining us on this week's episode of the Healthy Balance Birth and Beyond podcast. Thank you, September, and we will chat with you next week. Bye.